0: It's and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. We are brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at The Warehouse at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Oh yeah, boom! Time to welcome in David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former Cougar linebacker. David, good morning.
1: Hey guys, what's going on?
0: Well, there's the loss to Coastal Carolina, and I know people are saying, hey, it's been a few days, everyone's got to get over it and move on to the next game. And I'm curious, in your career, high school, college, is there a loss you never got over? We hear that expression. Do you ever get over them?
1: No, you don't. Uh, And a lot of it's because as players, what you you end up doing is, I mean, any spare moment you have, you think about stuff you could have done different, right? And you, you realize there's a missed tackle or a missed catch or a misassignment that may have cost the team. And it, it haunts you. It honestly does. That's a, the that's a bad thing about being the athlete. As fans, we, we can get over these losses and you kind of move back on to your regular life. But as football players, remember, this is basically your whole life. Uh, and uh, for these guys, I mean, they've got to go back into that facility on yesterday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and the next week. And yeah, you're supposed to move on to the next team, but it's really tough. It's really tough, especially after an emotional loss like that. We had Isaiah Capucci on our postgame show. And you guys maybe saw the clip go viral a little bit. Uh, but you saw him just broke down. He just broke down in tears. I haven't seen something like that in years. Um, and you could tell how much this game meant to him as a senior and a captain, but really this whole team. And it worries me a little bit because, obviously, you got to get over that loss uh, and get ready for San Jose State this week. Um, and so it can go one of two directions. One, you can continue to dwell on it. Uh, or hopefully you build upon it and use his motivation this week going into San Diego State and try to put something together. But those, those losses, man, those sting. And I've had some. I've had some against Utah, uh, and, and we've, we've had some close ones against others. And they sting for a while. But uh, you know the real question is how can these guys rebound? Hopefully they rebound because they're playing a San Diego State team that you know hung with Colorado twenty to ten, and, and they've, they've got a winning record. And those guys aren't coming in to just lay down. So they better be prepared this week.
2: How surprised are you that it seemed like that uh, Coastal Carolina kept running the same three or four plays over and over again
1: and having all sorts of success? I was very surprised. Uh, and we talked about dominating the trenches. Listen, I went back and watched the whole game, um, and we talked with some of the coaching staff. Really, the defensive line wasn't dominated as much as I think everyone thinks they were, especially when you go back and look at the film. They were getting double teamed. Every single one of those guys was getting double teamed. Um, and when you get double teamed, all you're, all you're supposed to do is just hold your ground. A lot of times, the coaches tell you drop to a knee to where you're not getting you know, pushed down the field five yards. Um, but where BYU really struggled in this game, it was, frankly, with the linebackers and it was the secondary. The, the corners didn't do a great job putting an edge on the defense. Um, and, and safeties, you know, at one point, I can't remember if it was at the end of the game, if Zane was the leading tackler on defense. Um, but at one point, he was the leading tackler, I think, at halftime. Um, and and so that's not a good sign when your safety is leading the team tackles, but uh, you know that defensive line, yeah, they they were getting pushed around, but was because they're getting double teamed, and it was more the the run fits for the for the rest of the group. So I think that's what was disappointing. Uh, listen, with that being said, we can point the finger at this defense all you want, but at the end of the day, they gave up three points in the second half. Or excuse me, they, 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 they uh, the BYU's offense only got three points in the second half. So. The defense kind of held their own. They had the one-long drive in the second half. But other than that, they had a couple three-and-outs and a five-and-out. And so, you know, offensively, there's, I mean, there's fingers be pointed everywhere, right? Offensively, BYU struggled to fill up any points in that second half. And I feel like the, the theme of the game was just BYU's missed opportunities and shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, I mean, you think about everything from the short yard situation to BYU could not run the ball, the fourth and one, the, you know, the drop pass, uh, in the second half, the timeout, the third and 20 and a punt, you're calling timeouts. I mean, it, it just was a weird game where Buing can never really get any type of rhythm. Um, and, and it showed offensively they were out of whack. Uh, defensively, there were a couple drives that couldn't get off the field. Um, and, and that resulted in a, a close game where, listen, if you're not playing your best football when you go on the road against a good team like Coastal Carolina, you're going to lose. And it's just, that's just what it is. And uh, that's that's what happened to BYU. They had plenty of opportunities to to take that game over, and they never could quite do what they'd done in the previous nine games, where they're able to find that um, you know that extra gear, like we saw against Houston in that fourth quarter. They never could quite get into that rhythm, and uh, man, they came up short. But I think you guys, myself alone, I, I was I was fully expecting them to come through in that fourth quarter. I was like, okay, at some point, Zach's gonna make a crazy big play, and defense is gonna get a turnover, and, and BYU's gonna win this thing. And all of a sudden, I think the last scores with about 11 and a half minutes left, Coastal Carolina scored that touchdown, and nobody scored for the rest of the fourth quarter. Uh, and it was just, it was, hard, it was hard to watch. But listen, it is what it is.
0: When you see all those mistakes, there's a couple things. One, pressure does funny things to people. We've all seen it in sports, we've watched enough games. And two, when you don't have the proper preparation, details slip away. And how can you be properly prepared when you're throwing a game together midweek? taking everyone out of their normal preparation. People don't watch as much film, and they don't get as many reps in practice. Uh, is it one of those two things, or is it something else?
1: 100%. And listen, the, the tough thing about this game was this Coastal Carolina offense, by far, is the toughest offense to prepare for that the OE's had to prepare for all season. I mean, look at Navy and that triple option. Navy doesn't even try to pass the ball, really. I mean, this is a true triple option team. Well, Coastal Carolina runs... Uh, run, run the piece at triple option, but they also can obviously pass the ball. They didn't really have to. Grayson McCall only threw 15 times in this game uh, because they had so much success running the ball. But there's so many options off of that spread option offense um, that, that will cause you fits. And obviously they've caused other teams fits this season. Uh, and so, yeah, this offense was very tough to prepare for to begin with, but then you give them very short notice and it results in what we saw from from this defense. And so um, like I said, uh, I mean, we talk about the defense a lot, but at the day they only gave up 22 points. I mean, that that should be winning football. I mean, and then you look at the stats. BYU outgained Coastal Carolina 405 yards to 366. But to your point, the biggest telling stat in this whole thing was the time of possession, which we've all seen. They they had Coastal Carolina had almost 16 minutes, so a whole quarter more possession the ball. And and if you can keep Zach Wilson off the uh, off the field with his explosive offense. I mean, that's exactly what they came into the game trying to do. Try They wanted to keep the ball long drives, sustain long drives, and and keep Zach off the field, and that's exactly what happened. But um, but to your point, I, yeah, the preparation is a huge part of it, and, and I think that's something we've talked about weeks past with the BYU team. A very veteran-led team, guys have been there, done that, and and that's when typically the, that senior leadership kicks in. Uh, that veteran leadership kicks in late in the game, and I think, once again, they couldn't rely on that on that experience and that preparation that typically they have. And so, um, yeah, very tough off to prepare for, and, and frankly, it showed.
2: Yeah, it was a tough offense, but at the same time, I agree with you in that, well, Coastal Carolina didn't have any more time. Maybe they had a f- three or four hours more when the Cougars were flying. The thing that did surprise me was that, why well, you didn't put up more points in that game. And as you watched it, you're a defensive guy, From the defensive perspective, did you see Coastal Carolina do stuff that maybe we haven't seen other teams do, or did they just do it better?
1: No, you know, going into the game, the coaching staff knew that Coastal Carolina uh, likes to play a lot of zones. So the team that runs quarters, uh, they run thirds, and they basically force you to beat them. And they're they're saying, listen, we'll let you do checkdowns all day long. We'll let you try to find the the creases in the zone, but we're not going to let you complete the deep ball and the big plays over the top of us. Um, and and frankly, I, I think when you go back and watch the game as well, I think Zach, uh, you know, missed a lot of underneath throws. I, you look at the the play to Romney on the fourth and one is a great example. He had Isaac Rex wide open on the checkdown, uh, and and he felt like he wanted to try to squeeze the ball into Romney. Which which by the way, Romney is a prime example. I mean, when's the last time you saw Romney drop a pass this season? I mean, uh, he was wide open, had a couple steps, not wide open, he had a couple steps on the DB. But uh, little things like that—you saw Tyler Algier. When's the last time you saw him fumble, right? And he fumbled. So, just miscues along the way uh, for, for this BYU offense. But I think Zach probably missed some checkdowns, and that's what the defense gives you. you Got to take what the defense gives you. And the defense was giving him that, and, and he missed a couple checkdowns. Um, but you know, a lot of it was because they couldn't get in the rhythm because they weren't on the field. Because once again, Coastal Carolina was staying, sustaining these long drives. So uh, it goes. It goes both ways. It was just a really frustrating game because. Especially BYU came out that first drive and they had that big bomb to Neil Powell that gets called back because of the holding, which was a holding. Uh, but you know, you just feel like, okay, well, it's a holding, but BYU will recover and, and go down and score and uh, all will be well. But BYU could never, I mean, they were up at halftime, uh, but it just something just didn't feel right. And sure enough, that blood in the, uh, the second half where, like I said, BYU only scored three points.
0: So is there going to be a carryover to the next game or are they going to uh, be back
1: to normal? You know, I hope not. We talked about with, you know, I referenced it earlier with with this uh, veteran group that's been around the block. You know, and it's senior night. I hope these guys come out and use his motivation, and, and they come out riled up and they want to prove that, you know, they're, they're the team that went nine and zero and not nine and one. And so, you know, I, I think they'll come out motivated and try to put a good game together, but. Um, we'll see, I, I think those first couple of series will be pretty telling whether there's some uh, hangover from this previous game, but uh, we we'll, we'll, you know we'll, we'll see. I, I think there's still obviously you know we talk about independence, right, and we've talked about this in the past weeks with you guys as well. What, what are your objectives and what are your goals as a BYU football team during independence? Obviously you don't have a conference championship to play for, like some of the, like all these other guys are doing right now. Um, and so what do you want to be? You want to be relevant? you want to be nationally ranked? Um, And, of course, you want to try and get to the New Year's Six Bowl. So the New Year's Six Bowl game is pretty much out the window at this point. Uh, And so you still can be relevant and you still can be right. And and so you've got two or three boxes that you can still check at the end of the season if you go out there and take care of business against San Diego State um, and if you go out there and take care of business in your bowl game. So, you know, there are still some goals that could be accomplished here. Obviously, the biggest one is off the table, which is a huge bummer. I think those, we all we understand what was at risk when BYU took that game on and, and ultimately lost. Um, but you can still go out there and have a successful season uh, with, with what they have left. So I think that's something else you got to keep in mind if you're a player. Not all is lost. Uh, you can still finish in the top 15 in the country um, and maybe even squeak into the top 12 in the AP uh, and, and, and see what happens
2: yeah when you look at this game coming up on Saturday night you can there's a couple of there's all sorts of motivation as far as I'm concerned last year that uh, was a real pathetic showing basically down in San Diego I don't think there's any way to say it from the offensive perspective and the special teams were pretty much embarrassing so you have that going for you and two you talk about all how all isn't lost well you know, it took a Hit some respect here nationally. If you lose to San Diego State, then all the respect is going to go down the drain. And I don't want to use necessarily from the negative standpoint of motivation, but there is that. And at the same time, if you go out and just blow those guys away, which doesn't happen against San Diego State, you look at all their scores, pretty good defense. They're not giving up a lot of points. Even in their losses, they're not giving up a lot of points. So if you can run out 35 points or so that's going to show something and then i think maybe you know it's about perception and you're battling that if you win this game and win it fairly easily then you could point well yeah i mean they only had a few a couple days notice had to get on a plane and fly 2200 miles and here they got back to normal and they came back and they reestablished themselves so if you want to play that game i think there's a bunch that you can play it and set it up for the Cougars to have a level of motivation and resolve going into this game.
1: hundred percent. I think there's definitely a statement to be made with how they respond uh, you know, this week against San Diego State. And and to your point, this is, you know, people have been dubbing at the revenge tour for Zach. Zach Zach didn't have a great game obviously against San Diego State last year. Three turn the whole offense had three turnovers, um, and, and he just really struggled. Only put up three points. And so yeah, I think for him this is one of those games where you know, that was that was BYU's last regular season game last year. And then of course it went out to the bowl game. But um I, I think he wants to obviously end his season. And and frankly, this is probably his senior night, right? I mean, as a junior, I don't see him coming back in any scenario at this point. I mean, if you're a top ten pick, uh that like he's being projected, you're definitely going to the league. I mean, that's that's money you can't pass up on. So I I think this is his last chance he'll have it to be able to step on the Deliver Stadium field. So you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into it. I, I think Kalani will have him ready. Uh, you know, it, it, it is easy to have, like I said, some of that hangover. But I think this is a team that, that understands what's still at risk and at hand, and uh, they want to go take care of business. I, I think they'll come out there more with a chip on their shoulder versus a you know hangover and, and uh, kind of living in the past type approach. Um, but like I said, we'll see. Those first couple of series will be pretty telling.
0: So do you expect them to have much of a problem with San Diego State's run game? Because San Diego State doesn't throw the ball very well. They've played three different quarterbacks. I think some of it's been injury, some of it's been performance. But they're very dependent on the, the run game. So is BYU going to have a problem tackling and setting the edge and all the stuff you talked about earlier?
1: Well, they're much more traditional type offense. Yes, they are pretty having a run game. Jordan Brookshire, who's the quarterback who played against, uh, uh, who's played the last few weeks, He's, he's a running quarterback, and uh, to your point, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like to throw the ball much. So if anything's positive about them coming off this Coastal Carolina game is the fact that, like we said, they, they, they got run on all over. And so uh, there's going to be some adjustments, obviously, this week on, on how to stop this, this run, especially with the quarterback run. But, um, I, I, listen, it's, it's funny because going into the game, BYU had a top-10 run defense in the country, uh, and, and I think we're all, especially after the Navy game and we've seen throughout the season, they, they stepped up to the plate. But to have a 17-play drive put on you, I mean, I don't know if I've ever had that ever. I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. The fact that you couldn't get off the field in 17 plays, um, I mean, that, that kind of set the tone there in that first half. And you really couldn't recover from it. But um, if, you're, if you're a defensive player, if you're a player, and you go back and watch that film, if you, if you realize you were part of that giving up 17 plays and let them score eventually, um, I mean, yeah, take that one to heart. It now it becomes personal. And, and to that point, this week, for Santa State, you got to go out there and show that, uh, you know, schematically and, and of course, going out there and performing their, their assignments. They just didn't do against Coastal Carolina, but hey, we're, you know, we're we're back to normal here. This would be against Santa State. You know, there's something you got to go out there and prove, uh, because 17 plays. I mean, it's just, I, I remember watching it on in the game, and I just couldn't. I was blown away. And of course, you go back and look at 17 plays and. Like I said, I don't know if I've ever if I've ever been a part of that or if I've ever seen something like that. Of course, Navy and Air Force will do those seventeen type plays, you know, get to get to third and one, convert it, and then you know do it all over again and just march their way down the field. But at some point, you've got to get off the field. you got somebody's got to make a play, right? And I think that was the scourging part. BOE's defense, nobody stepped up in, the, in that game and, and really made plays. And um, you know, but with that being said, once again, they still still only allowed twenty two points, so it just. It's a weird. It was a weird game because it go, the culpability falls on both sides. Offense, defense, you know, special teams played fine. Um, but offensive, defense, they struggled. And I think coaching staff, I think coaching staff maybe could have realized that they could have prepared a little differently and put in different schemes. But like we said, the short notice made this game really tough.
2: You think given this season, whether it's possibly considering joining maybe the AAC if you don't get a Power 5 or – uh, toning down the schedule or anything? you think there are any lessons to be learned that could be implemented going forward?
1: I think so. I mean, listen, I've, I've always been a proponent of stay independent, uh, you know, schedule up the P5s. I think, I think it's fun for a player and, a, and the program. But, I mean, come November, December, and years past during, during independence, frankly, BYU hasn't really been uh, relevant. I mean, they haven't been ranked uh, because they play such a brutal schedule. And so – this had, and I tweeted this out the other day. I go, listen, despite the results against coach Carolina, I tweeted out, I think, the night of. I, I just was kind of reminiscing on how fun this week that week had been, right? I mean, you think about hearing about the rumors that BYU potentially play. I mean, I, we sat last week at this same time, and I pretty much said, yeah, I'm not hearing anything. I, I think I there's no way BYU plays this week. And you fast forward 24 hours, and you've got this buzz. You've got the equipment truck leaving, game day. I mean, all they came together and. Of course, BYU lost, and that was super, super disappointing. But what a fun week, right? Uh, and the fact that you could be relevant this time of the season uh, and, and playing a, in a big-time game like that was, was pretty awesome here in December. And so, yeah, I, I think there is something to be said, PK, about uh, you know maybe dumbing down the schedule a little bit and, and allowing BYU to at least have a chance. Because when you play four straight P5s in September, man, it takes a toll on you. And we've seen BYU lose athletes in the past players in the past because it's such a grind so i i think tom understands there's that happy medium. you got to find that that balance between still having a competitive schedule that fans want to come see and watch uh as well as making sure you mix it with with teams that you can you can beat um but it's it's obviously tough in a normal year it's, it's much tougher because of obviously scheduling and when people get in a conference play they've got to uh they've got to play within their conference so it makes it tough, but uh, I think there is something to be said trying to find a happy medium where you give you at least a shot to go out there and, and be, you know, a top twenty five type team.
0: Well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, David. Yep. Sounds good.
1: Thanks all.